This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome to Case File 11 of Microscope, the show that examines some of the world's biggest mysteries. This episode we're delving into the murky world of medical experiments as we look into some of the terrifying creatures built by Count Spukenstein. I phoned up Vigor, an assistant to Count Spukenstein who for many years helped the Count produce a vast array of horrifying creations. Although Vigor has since fallen out with the Count, we talk about their history and how they worked together to combine robotics and human flesh so that, ultimately, they were able to effectively reanimate individuals that had passed away. While their work was initially confined to a castle high up in the Bavarian mountains, the experiments eventually escaped and caused havoc in the nearby village. The recording starts with Vigor detailing one such early prototype. Yes, I was working on a uh, uh, building a monster. Uh, there's no way, you know, people have tried to uh, call it something else. Uh, one newspaper called it an ironing board on legs, right. which I found, um, you know, accurate, but that is rude. That is rude. You know what I mean? Because it's not an ironing board on legs, because A, an ironing board has legs. Fair enough, but the intention was to create was to create a monster to ransack the village. No, no, absolutely not. A complete accident. I was... Uh, ironing at the time um, I was about to go to a uh, an awards ceremony so I was ironing my tuxedo what was anyway, the awards ceremony you were going to um, castle of the year right and uh, I was nominated for uh, best turret and uh, mankiest looking drawbridge and this is this is castle spukenstein where you where you work you work you worked and lived for a few years yes yes i i i, I lived with count spukenstein in castle spukenstein um, but like i said we kept ourselves very much he was in the west wing i was in the east wing between the two of you you've produced quite a few i mean i, I guess you'd call them creations perhaps villagers would call them monsters over the years how do you decide the design of of those is it a collaboration or is it more top down yeah it, well it was a collaboration until uh, i'm sure we'll get onto it later but um basically i remember once uh, he was making me uh, a lovely lasagna and uh, we were looking into the lasagna and he said doesn't that look like a face and i said uh, you know what count it does it looks like a, a little lasagna face and we both laughed. And he went, imagine you could just make faces. And I said, uh, yeah, that'd be nice. So what I did for a little birthday gift was I bought him a little uh, Wallace and Gromit make your own. Like plasticine? Yeah. And um, I said, why don't you make a little Wallace and Gromit? He went, oh, I'd love to do that. So uh, he went back to his bedroom and he, he made a little Wallace and Gromit. Now, he's never seen Wallace and Gromit. So 
what he showed me was an abomination. Could you try it and describe actually, it as best you can? Okay. They only give you the right amount of plasticine to make what is a grommet. Yeah. You know, so they give you a lot of green because that guy wears a heavy knit, but he doesn't have any sleeves. So what he's done is he's he's, he's made, um, he's, he's, he's given them a tank top and he's not wearing anything underneath. So that's itchy. So it's just fleshy arms. And um, he's got uh, one eye because he lost the other eye apparently. And... Um, Wallace's tongue is uh, black because he's used what he should have made his shoes for uh, into his tongue. Right. And, um, you know, it's, it's, the so, thing looked horrible. So even early on, the, he was creating he was creating these sort of monsters. He was. And I said to him, you need to be careful with this because art can sometimes imitate life. And he said, well, yeah, that's the point of art. There was a period, I guess, of you of you helping create these monsters. There was, a, a I guess, a, a period in your lives where you were both happy with each other's company. Yeah, well, we were friends. And his first experiment was making, um, well, he made a doll called uh, Cassandra. And um, they got on like a house on fire, let me tell you. Uh, she was able to talk. Out. Uh, no, no, but she was a fantastic listener. I'll give you, I'll give her that. He also he, he took her out. He wined and dined her. You know, he uh, he bought a lovely uh, within within the confines of Castle Spookenstein or out out in the village. He'd take her out to the village. It's a lovely Thai restaurant. You know, on the main road. But sure. they were the toast of the town. They were on the front page of the newspapers. Everyone wanted a picture with her. Um, so the villagers, the villagers of this at this point were quite happy with with Count Spookenstein. He was a, a, a figure of some celebrity in the community. Oh, everyone loved the Count because what he did once was he made everyone a replica of themselves, and he left them outside their houses. And so every uh, every summer, they, everyone had to push the replica of themselves outside and um, the idea was that he'd parade around the streets waving at all the models that he'd made you know what I mean it's very sweet but the villagers would remain indoors or would they also be outside so there'd be in effect double the number of people in the village no one no one was allowed out right apart from the dolls so it's quite a quiet so, parade oh all you could hear was him saying uh, thank you thank you this town will soon be mine. And now, um, Cassandra, before we get on to, obviously, the, the fate of Count Spookenstein, was she roboticised in any way, or was she literally just a sort of, just a doll? She was roboticised um, in some ways. Basically, her shoulders uh, could... She could do the Macarena. Okay. And then, how did he, where, where did he start moving on, then, into sort of bigger robotic events? And I guess you were sort of involved in that process at the same time. Yeah, well, I guess it was about... Um, it was summer... I remember that much, and he, um, he 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 called me into his workshop, and I was never really allowed in his workshop. I'm stood there, and he says, "Watch this." He pulls back a uh, a, a a kind of cloth, and um, it was one of those tricks where you know when you pull um, uh, a tablecloth, and everything on the table stays where it was. Yeah. He did that. Sort of, like, right. sort of building on sort of basic magic tricks to get ready for his sort of big experiments. Well, I just, well, you know, so I left him to it. I thought, all right. Anyway, he called me back in the next week and he said, uh, pick a card. Yeah. So I picked, I picked the eight clubs and then he went, is this your card? And I said, uh, yeah. And he went, okay, see you later. So this went on for about six to eight weeks where I'd get called in every week and he'd show me a magic trick. Week nine, I'll never forget it. I walked in and I thought he was going to show me the tablecloth trick again because I thought, fuck's sake, I've seen this. He pulled back the cloth and there was a robotic T-1000. 
turtle. 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 Now, I remember looking at this thing thinking, you know, okay, this looks fun. What was going through your head? You just, just, just something innocuous. Yeah. Well, the turtle also had all the cutlery on its on its shell because he. I thought he was doing. He was still doing the trick, but instead of a table, was the turtle. Couldn't believe it. So he said, uh, you know, he was like, "You impressed by that?" And I said, "I'll be honest. I don't know what I'm supposed to be impressed by. Either the fact that you can do this trick again, or that it's on a turtle." Because also, a turtle's back is not as flat as a table. No, no, it's so, not. Um, no, so I was impressed. I said, that's pretty good. Anyway, I got talking to this turtle, and the turtle's livid. He's like, I just want to get on with my life, but I got walked around with um, eight plates, uh, some cutlery, mugs, a vase. So the turtle was almost the size of a table? <laughs> yeah, yeah. This turtle was massive. Right. It had been made by Count Spookenstein. I don't know if I've made that as clear as I should have. How did, and how did you know that? How did you How did you glean it was a robotic turtle? <laughs> I guess because it was talking to you. <laughs> Well, it's jaw, it's jaw fell off when it was talking to me, yeah. And when did... Um, so what, what happened to that turtle in the end? Um, it, well, it tried to escape. Yeah. But... Um, Not known for their speed. Well, this is the thing. You don't know a turtle was trying to escape. He was trying to escape for about two years. Yeah. But um, it was only when he just, he'd just taken one step outside the wrong door that we thought, something ain't right here. So um, I shot him in the head, right? Because you know it, it was only electrics. Although I had, I, I'll be honest, I had grown affectionate to it. Yeah, sure. I guess we still need to get onto the ethics of terminating an artificial life. It, it, do you think that a robotic turtle that appears to be um, sentient does that have a soul? Is that conscious? It's a question that I've struggled with for many, many years. <sighs> No. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. I'm generally not sure what I, what I was expecting with that question. Now, when did Kurt, when did Count Spookenstein start moving on to including sort of human body parts into his experiments? Again, it all started with me giving him as a gift some plasticine. He was obsessed with trying to get flesh to look like real flesh. If you understand what I'm saying, so the, the flesh from the plasticine to look like it was actual flesh. Yeah. So he wanted to make a Wallace and Gromit. I mean, using what skin? <laughs> well, in the end, that's what he did. I remember uh, I was having breakfast and uh, I just heard a banging upstairs, and uh, it kept on going, and it was louder and louder. And I thought, what is going on up there? The ceiling flew open, and this man just completely bullet naked fell into some trousers and then bang into a seat opposite me. Now, I'm looking at him like, uh, I was thinking to myself, right, that looks like uh, Wallace. From Wallace and Gromit. Mm. But uh, what did he resemble? Well, I knew it was Wallace from the clothes. Yeah. Because he'd uh, he'd um, he'd got that right in the end. Yeah. He'd, he'd followed he'd followed the instructions. He'd still so never he's never seen the, the the actual animation. No, I don't know why. He'd, <laughs> like, for some reason, he didn't look it up. It'd have been a lot easier for all of us if he had. But sure. no. So you know, he's got the green cardigan on. He's got a red tie on. Uh, eyes completely poking out of his skull, and um, he's got a centre parting. Now I'm looking at this guy. I'm, I'm, I've never seen him before in my life. This guy was a robot. You had suspicions there that it was like what, a, a robot interior with sort of human flesh on the outside. Well, yes, because when he turned around, uh, the back of his head was completely uh, bare. 
and you could see uh, the hard drive wires, uh, an SD card. Uh, there was three USB ports and um, and a Thunderbolt. Yeah. And uh, so I actually did charge my phone off the back of his head because I needed it at the time. So it was actually quite useful to so have around the house. Sometimes. Where did you put Where did you put your phone as it was charging? Did you just follow him round or just rest it somewhere on him? Uh, he just kind of. I'll just put it in his mouth. Did you ever find out where the body parts were taken to produce this? What, what did you call it? This sort of Wallace monster. Yeah, well, I called him the the monster, the Wallace monster. Are you aware of the story of Sweeney Todd? The uh, demon barber of Fleet Street? Is that the indeed, the indeed, line, indeed. The subtitle? Sweeney, he made pies, as I'm sure you're aware. Well, wasn't he of... a barber and didn't didn't the um, his next-door neighbour make the pies? Or am I remembering it wrong? <laughs> no, 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 you are correct. Um, he, he, had, uh, he had a helper who made the pies. He just... Uh, Cut the he hair. just did the haircuts. Yeah, to be fair, and, to be, and the thing about him is that he, he was a great hairdresser. Worth the occasional being made into a pie to have that incredible hairstyle. If if I knew I was at death's door, I'd think, well, that'd be a fun way to go because at least I'll look good at the funeral. You understand what I'm saying? Wait, sorry. So he cuts the hair of the people he then kills and bakes into a pie. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? He's just wasting his time, isn't he? He did do a shave. I think that was right. how he killed you. He shaved you, but. I'm just saying, I'm sure, Sweeney Todd, you didn't go to him with the reputation he had if he didn't cut good hair. Yeah, but hang on a minute. I'm, pr- I'm pretty certain the whole pie business was a, was a secret. <laughs> he didn't advertise it, did he? He didn't go, get six no, no, haircuts what? and your seventh one is free, but also I'll make you into a pie. <laughs> what I'm saying is, Sweeney Todd, he had a queue out the door. Sure, but I'm saying, but I'm saying despite what he did, not, not people so knowing it. So it must have been good. Yeah. So I'm just saying, credit where credit's due. So obviously Count Spookenstein looked at what Sweeney Todd did. Uh, how did he get uh, his, uh, his his victims for his monster? Well, he was a dentist. Right. He got a reputation, you know, it was like, go down to Count Spookenstein, get your teeth looked at. But also, he's, he's damn good at sorting out your elbows, stuff like that. Right. You know, people were feeling a bit more loose without certain bones. He'd take a rib cage out here and there, and people were like, yeah, I feel a bit more flexible. I remember one bloke, he was just a head. He had no teeth, but he was, he, he went around on a skateboard and he was like, you know what? Best thing I ever did was getting that feeling checked from Count Spookenstein. Sure. What did the head do? What was his job? Was he able to continue functioning? Yeah, he, uh, he was a bus driver. Right. For uh, 15 years. But, you know, sadly that bus actually, um, the bus did have a terrible accident. When he was driving uh, the bus, what... <laughs> this is such a specific question. What orientation was the skateboard? Was it facing forwards uh, to the walls of the bus? Was it perpendicular? I'm actually trying to understand, did the skateboard slide around on the bus? Or were there, were there chocks involved? Well, what happened was... It's a very sad story, this. But basically, he, um, <laughs> he didn't sit on his skateboard when he was... He didn't sit on his skateboard when he was driving the bus. He didn't sit on the skateboard when he was driving the bus. That was just for getting around when he was when he was off the bus. Getting to and from work, uh, yeah. going to the pub, stuff like that. Yeah, hopefully but always downhill. A, yeah. The, the sad story is, he always used to leave his skateboard in the depot, and um, he'd then, uh, using a pulley and teeth, uh, drag himself up to, uh, using the windscreen, chuck himself in through the window and drive the bus. 
Now, um, what had happened was when he started to drive the bus, his skateboard had actually come loose and the bus rolled onto the skateboard. And uh, when he went to turn left, uh, the bus actually turned right and he fell off a cliff. <laughs> Simple as that, he just drove off a cliff. Well, that wasn't what killed him, sadly. Right. Uh, he managed to roll out. Um, and the bus completely exploded. Mm. But he was rolling out, and he thought, well, I've survived that. But he actually ended up... Uh, he rolled straight into a circle of bears. A circle of bears? Was, is yeah. that the collective noun, or just they just happened to be in a circle at that, at that particular point? <laughs> they just ha- they just happened to be in a circle at that point. Right, and he, and he rolled and right, right in the middle of them. He rolled right in the middle right, of and them. They, and they've maintained that circle despite a bus exploding with reasonable proximity. <laughs> oh, no, he, he'd rolled about two miles. Right, down the hill a bit more. Yeah, we live in a very hilly part of the world here. Sure. Anyway, so the bears, um, they, they took him off. Took him off? And... Uh, well, they picked him up, one of them picked him up yeah. and brought him back to the cave and uh, they looked after him, actually. And uh, he died of natural causes when he was about 80. How do you know this? Did he come back to the village? He wrote a book. <laughs> yeah, did he? <laughs> How did he write that? He dictated it, did he? To, to what, to the bear? All I'm saying is that he wrote a book. I don't know who wrote it. Sure. He might not have wrote it. Yeah. But, but um, you've, got a, you've got a vague suspicion it could have been ghost written by a bear. It's just constant well, references to Sam and every other chapter. <laughs> When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss get back to uh, Count Spookenstein what was he like as a boss he'd always pay you on time uh, he gave you lunch vouchers and the Christmas party he'd always put a couple of quid in your card and uh, he'd give you a Christmas turkey the only problem is he'd uh, he tried you know uh, kill you when you slept. Yeah, uh, that, that was the, that was the bad thing. Well, that's the thing. I guess it's probably time we start getting onto sort of um, Count Spookenstein sort of negative attributes, and I guess that's why you sort of left uh, his employ. What did he try and do when you were sleeping? Just try and steal bits of your body parts that the dentistry cover wasn't enough for him? Well, yeah, he'd. Um, I suppose we should talk about it. The, the incident that really. Um, really threw me was uh, I, I was asleep uh, one evening I believe it was mid-November pouring with rain yeah I mean you know that's the exact same setting we had last week <laughs> we're going on it's November it's pouring with rain why not it was a beautiful spring morning right my uh, you know my wonderful uh, wife-to-be had just slipped out for a baguette and uh, a few berries. A baguette and some berries. 
Everything was right with the world. Yeah. Then I had a knock at the door. Count Spookenstein was stood there with a spatula. Yeah. And a cake slice. And I said, you're right, Count? What brings you to these quarters? And he went, where's your wife to be? And I said, um, well, she's just gone out for some berries and a baguette. Yeah, of course. He went, right. So he left me then. About two hours later, I looked out of my window and there was a huge fire at the uh, berry and baguette shop. It's a sad occasion. I don't want to bring up what could be quite a, a tough story for you to tell. But there was a singular shop in the village that sold berries and baguettes. That's all they sold. Right. What's it called? The berry and baguette shop. Yeah, fair enough. Babs. Um, so I, uh, I, uh, <laughs> I went down to Babs. Yeah. Uh, with a bucket of water. Sure. To try and put out the fire. Yeah. Did nothing. Did nothing. I was stood there screaming, screaming for my wife. Yeah. To be. She was. You had suspicion she was in there, or you knew she was in there. Oh, I knew she was in there. I could see her. Right. Oh gosh. Yeah, it was terrible. Anyway, once the fire had finished, I made my way back to the castle, and um, the count was. Uh, I could see him just driving back to the castle as well, with a with a sack of what looked like soot. Mm. And I thought, well, that's interesting. I wonder where he's been. <laughs> yeah. About a week later. I was feeling a bit morose, of course. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's barely been a week since your, your your wife perished in a berry blaze. And I was having breakfast, and Count Spookenstein walked in, and he said, uh, Vigor, I've someone here to see you. Mm-hmm. And in walked my wife to be. Right. I wept. I said to him, where have you, you know, I, I wondered where she'd been. I think you wondered where she'd He's, been. You'd just seen her perish in a, in a blaze of baguettes. <laughs> Yeah, well, you try and black that. You try, you try and black that out, don't right? You? But um, the count had had remade her out of the ash. He at that point perfected his his replica technology. He set fire to Babs. He took my wife to be, made her in the depths of the castle, and brought her back to life. I, I was I was disgusted. I told him this isn't my wife. And and she was discernibly different. Did she look the same, or were there sort of personality differences? Um, well, she actually, she had a cracking sense of humour. Before? Now. Right. She was just... Before, she wouldn't know a joke if it hit her in the face. Right. But he had programmed her. She absolutely loved jokes. Right, so hang on, so she, co- she comes in, <laughs> what, a bit stiff-limbed, and then immediately she's just cracking zingers. Well, this is what happened. I started crying. I ran towards her. I dropped at her feet, and I said, I said, where have you been, Claire? Where have you been? I looked straight into her eyes, and she said to me, I went to the doctor, I said, I was wondering if you could help me out. He said, it's the same way you came in. Right. And so... You were like, that's not like the Claire I knew. Well, I I said, I thought, right, this doesn't feel right, this. So I said, do you mind if we go for a walk? Mm. So um, we're walking around the grounds, and I I said to her, look, you know, you gave me a fright there. Um, And she went, well, the wife's mother said, when you're dead, I'll dance on your grave. I said, good, I'm being buried at sea. And I thought... <laughs> right? <laughs> so she developed quite a, quite an antiquated joke-telling style. It took me ages to work this out, but I was, um, I was having dinner with her and the Count, and the Count was saying, oh, it's so lovely to see you two back together. And she just went, 
I got home last night. The wife was in the kitchen. I knew she was getting my tea ready. I could hear the fire extinguisher going. And I thought, <laughs> that's quite that's quite near the knuckle for her. Because she... Do you know what I mean? She almost died, or perhaps did die in a fire. Yeah. And then she went... And then she went, I call my wife treasure. She reminds me of something that's just been dug up. I thought... <laughs> <What's> I thought... <laughs> I and you were growing suspicious. And then, I mean, I don't want to sort of jump too far ahead in the story, but I understand at some point Claire started attacking the villagers. Well, there was a horrible moment when um, I woke up one morning and Claire was not by my bed. Uh, she couldn't actually get in the bed. She used to just stand at the side. <laughs> right, just watch you sleep. Yeah. So the relationship continued for quite a while then after after she came back. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Did you continue with the marriage? Did you get Did, did the wedding happen? Well, we, we, we were going to get married, but um, on this fateful night, I uh, I woke up and, like I said, she'd gone. And um, I looked out of the window because I could hear some commotion and the local pub was on fire. Sure. And uh, I thought, well, hang on a minute. She's not here. The pub's on fire. You know, something's wrong. Yeah. So I ran down to the pub and um, my wife-to-be was lying there. She was holding a... Uh, flamethrower right and her head was cut off sure and I wept and the landlord of the pub came out and you know I was amazed he was in there to be honest because it was on fire so he he just came out the door (laughs) yeah right because of the noise I couldn't believe it he said what's the commotion I thought what's the commotion your house is on fire he went oh good point so we stood over my wife to be her head's been completely sliced off electronics inside or oh yeah sparking everywhere and um i said who did this and there was just a man there with a sword Mm -hmm. and he went it was me i had to save the pub she was just setting fire to the pub and i was like oh god almighty this is terrible and i said um i said did she have uh, you know did she have any uh any any last words? <laughs> do, you, do you have any last words? <laughs> what did yeah. what did she uh, what did she say? Oh, <laughs> doctor, doctor. She said uh, I, I was in my local pub the other night, and I I said to the landlord, uh, "This beer is flat, warm, and full of sediment." And he said, "Well, you're lucky. You've only got a pint. I've got a bloody cellar full." And then he uh, he sliced her head off. <laughs> you're up to your distraught. Your wife dead again for the second time, I guess, in as many months or however long the period was. Um, then what happened next? So the villagers started to turn against Count Spookenstein? Did he try and reanimate her again? Uh, well, yeah, the next morning she just walked in right. like nothing had happened. And I thought, right, something ain't right. Yeah, I've seen her die twice. I just I walked out and that's the last time I ever set foot in um, in, in that castle side of the castle. Yeah, I do still live in the castle, but... <laughs> I'm sorry, I beg your, I beg your pardon. You, you still live there. Yeah, I do. It's very nice. Count Spookenstein, is he still there? Do the villagers rise up and, and put a stop to all these experiments? Well, um, he Count Spookenstein has not been seen now for five years. Mm. Uh, people believe he is somewhere in the castle. He is a recluse... And what, um, so what, and what triggered that? Because obviously he used to parade around the village and whatnot. What was the final event that sort of put a stop to that? That, you know, got him locked back up in that castle and has not been seen since? Well, I think um, people could almost handle when he created the monsters. People could handle when he created Claire and set the pub on fire. People were expecting extravagance. What 
unsettled everyone was when he tried to just get back into normal life. They'd grown so accustomed he, to the madness that him just going to the shops. Well, he set up his own. He set up his own shop. Right. And he'd uh, fix DVD players. So he he he'd taken what he'd learnt from reanimating corpses and humans and robots and apply that to DVD players. Yes. And he wanted to give something back to the community, so it was free of charge. Any electrical problem, he'd fix for you. Yeah. He wanted to build free transport mm. for the village. He wanted to build a, uh, you know, what they, like a ski lift. Sure. And everyone said, because like I said earlier, it's a very hilly part of the world. And he said, well, why don't we just build ski lifts? And everyone said, oh, that's a nice idea. So the problem is these things went up. But they never came down. Ah. It was just his way of, you know... Getting more body bits. More body bits into his castle. You know, people... He, he did guided tours. He said, come in, come in, everyone have a look around, you know, do what you want in here. He'd get them drunk, and then he'd, 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 he'd slice off a bit of toe. Or, you know, he, he just... No one trusted him. And then, so what was the final moment then that sort of um, put stop to that, that now he's locked up in his castle and he's not coming out? Well, you know, like a, a Saddam Hussein had, like, um, four different Saddam Husseins. Oh, like doubles, so that he couldn't be assassinated. Body doubles, yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, Count Spukenstein did that on a massive scale. Because he was able to recreate robotic sort of zombies. Yeah, he built 200 versions of himself. Yeah. And you've got to remember... Um, the population of uh, the village was only about 70. Sure. So um, he couldn't control these 200. Oh, so they, so so they, they, so were they weren't out. subservient? They wouldn't, they wouldn't respond to his commands? No, 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 no. He created free will. Mm. So, you know, they were going to the pub. They were, uh, they were shagging. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was, you know, it was insane. It was absolutely insane. And that was it? That was the end? The villagers, what, got rid of the clones? How did, uh, how did they get rid of 200 people in the village? Well, I don't know. When was the last time you were there? I've not been there for um, visited to take some photographs about ten years ago. Right. Well, well, you probably don't know this then. Five years ago, when um, Count Spukenstein disappeared, mm. retired from public life, everyone who wasn't Count Spukenstein slowly decided to leave. And now this village, like I said, you've only been there ten years ago. If you went back today, and if your listeners are thinking about visiting, it's an incredible place because now there are population of about 300 and they are all Count Spukenstein Gotcha, he's running everything from the pub to the DVD repair shop to BAPS, the berry and baguette shop. Yeah, and uh, the school is taught all by Count Spukensteins, the pupils are Count Spukensteins. Are they adult age or are this, is this the offspring from the Count Spukensteins that were getting off of each other? Adult age. Right. Everyone's the same age. How do they work out who is the teacher then and who is the pupil? Paper, scissors, stone. Right. And then uh, they might draw straws. And then, you know... No, but they, 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 have, they have the same knowledge, surely. What, what, what is one teaching the other? Well, you know, they're just teaching what they already know. Right. And they're happily listening they're to They're just it. like... I mean, they're, 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 mon- they're monsters. They don't, they don't correspond to they're rational. Mon- they're, they're scum. They're scum. You know, but it's nice. Imagine going to a school where you knew everything. They're all top of the class. Uh, parents' evening, they all get fantastic uh, grades. I mean, parents' evening... You've got Quite uh, confusing. Dr. Yeah, it's mad. There's about five people sat around the table that all look like each other. And, you know, it's, 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 it's an interesting place to visit. I'd recommend it. I mean, there is a rumour that if you visit, you may never return. Sure. 
But, uh, I mean, what you have to remember is I, I do still live here. Yes. Um, do you think you'll ever be able to leave? Well, it's pretty mad. Is it? It's pretty, is it pretty know, mad? If I, if I went for a walk out there... Yeah, you'd be gone. You'd be... I, uh, I'd get some looks. Yeah. I'm stuck in, uh, I'm stuck in here, looking out the window, remembering my wife, and, um... Well, I, I am writing my memoirs at the moment. Are you writing them yourselves, and, uh, or are you help it? You get, you're getting the bears to help out. Well, the bears were very successful. I mean, we can laugh all we want about them, but they did sell a lot of books. So um, I am in correspondence with them, but uh, they haven't got back to me yet. You know, I, I don't know. If, it feels a bit futile posting letters to a bear, but there you go. Well, Viga, thanks very much for joining us, and we wish you the best luck as you try to escape from the castle. Thank you, and I'll, I'll let you know how I'll get on maybe later on. Oh, we're not... I don't think we're revisiting this one. <laughs> well, that's all we've got time for. This episode was researched by John Kearns and edited by Matt Ewins. Sound effects were added by Ben Williams, and the theme music was by Nikki Green. Follow our Twitter account at Microscope Fun for details of live gigs that might hopefully occur once lockdown is finished. Also, if anyone has the time, I'll be awarding a shiny online microscope badge if people want to tweet us pictures of what they think Count Spookenstein's creations look like. I've realised I should probably try and engage more with the dynamics of social media, but I haven't been doing that much because I hate it. Next time, we'll be talking to a TV quiz host that was the victim of a mysterious cheating scandal. But until then, remain vigilant and catch you next time on Microscope. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.